so good to talk to you guys again. I feel like it's been a hundred years since we talked to each other. It's been like it's two weeks. It's probably only been like a week. No. <laughs> For everybody, just we, I went back to work and suddenly I was working 45 hours a week and Literally. shit got crazy. Yeah. You were like, I'm back. Yeah, full time and shit got crazy, but we are back and this is the luck we had, a shameless recap podcast where me, your host, Amanda, and our lovely other hosts, Lena and Evan, go through every single episode of Shameless and recap what the fuck happened in every goddamn scene. Every fucking episode. So last week was heavy. Was a train wreck. Oh my god, how do we even, like, break the tension? <laughs> we don't. Last episode we covered 306, which is that one of the heaviest, hardest hitting episodes in the entire series. Episode 3666. Yeah, so everybody calls it. But I personally think it was one of our best episodes yet. I th- the conversation was flowing. The mood was right. Like we were, we had a lot of important things to say. We were in the zone. For sure. And that's, that is kind of the mood for the rest of episode three or season three. But before we jump into the season three of it all, since that episode aired, some shit has gone down. Such as so deleted scenes happened. being released oh and Sherman God, Payne doing stuff. Oh, okay. Wait, I want to see if I can find the actual tweet so I can say like word for word what this man tweeted. Okay, so Sherman Payne was a writer on Shameless, I think for seasons maybe 9, 10, and 11, but maybe just 10 and 11. And he tweeted, I, I have part of it. It said... I want to publicly say how little respect I have for quote unquote shippers. If the only reason you watch a show is for an out of context obsession with a particular couple or the fanatical hope that a couple will get together. And then I don't think I have the rest of the tweet. But like bottom line is he was saying that shippers are a bad thing. When in fact, sir, you wrote on the show when at at a time where the fact that you had Galovich shippers is the only goddamn reason your show fucking existed in the last three the only seasons. reason they had viewers for, like, a bunch of their seasons. I think he wrote some of the, like, better Galovich scenes, too. Why, like, the thing is, it's like, why is he complaining? He's the one feeding us so well. We're not, like... <laughs> so he, he doubled down on this tweet because people started responding to him being like, you know that Shameless, like, arguably one of the more more famous shows that you've worked on, like, you know that it was primarily kept on air after season eight because of Shippers. All of its highest rated and highest viewed episodes were episodes where Galovich stuff happened. Literally. Oh, yeah. And the only other show he's really worked on, well, Charm City Kings and Legacies, but then, like, he's really well known for working on Scream, the MTV Scream. Which was garbage. Oh, yeah, that show was so bad. And pinned it to his profile. And then verified screenwriters. So Mr. Sherman Payne is not verified. So this is just, I'm saying, like, like, you know, respect your elders, know who comes before you. Verified screenwriters started quoting this tweet and being like, dude, this is really disrespectful. Like, I don't understand how you could say that when shippers keep shows alive nowadays like that's kind of like how it works is you know you have to appeal to your fan base and you have to you you owe your fans everything essentially for keeping you on air Mm -hmm. and he privated his account he is no longer public oh my god like there are entire shows that like got canceled from their network but because they had dedicated shippers and in the fan base 
The shows got revived and picked up and saved. Like, I'm mm-hmm. thinking, like, Brooklyn Nine-Nine was one. Shameless was one. Lucifer. Lucifer. Um, I I think, like, S- like uh, Arrested Development Arrested can't Development. really count. It can kind of count, oh, really? but not, co- not really because of shippers. It was more just because it had a cult following, more like, mm-hmm. but it wasn't really yeah. due to shippers. But still, just, like, the same idea of, like, fan base fueling a TV show. And then you can, we can also use Supernatural in that reference because Misha was only supposed to be there for like two episodes, but because his like dynamic on screen and everything was so good, people were like, oh, we want him back. So then that, why that man ended up a series regular. Mickey was only supposed to be in a few episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mickey was only supposed to be in a few episodes. Like shippers, that's, I've said this so many times before in this show. I don't understand why writers take a shit on the people that enjoy their show the most. That makes no sense to me. It's like wrote seasons mm. 10 and 11, like episodes on that, which was a very Galvich heavy season. Literally the whole fucking thing was Galvich. That was the whole reason they were still on air. Yeah. And like, they knew that. Yeah, those were like the two main prominent seasons. Like they, that's what they gave us. Like they, that's what they knew they were giving us after years of waiting to have that final, like Mickey, Ian, like together, they're doing it like, they knew that's what we've been anticipating for like the last 12 years and he's the one who gave it to us so when we get to those episodes and we credit uh the writer uh when we say his name it is meant in a derogatory fashion fuck this guy sherman Payne, derogatory (laughs) um but he was an executive story editor on every episode of season 10 so wedding episode sparky so like that just it just simply doesn't make sense to me it doesn't make sense. sense to me at all and so fuck that guy. And then also in the time that we've been away, the um, camo kiss deleted scene came out. It was given to us and it was the best Galovich scene in the history of Galovich. And yet they decided to cut that once and for all. I do think that was legit like one of the best scenes. It was so raw. It was so good. So, so much of like the actual good acted like story developing moments of Ian and Mickey were just straight up left on the cutting room floor. And like, I don't understand. And it's like that also scene provided, like having them bring up things that happened to them in the past, because you know, Shameless is really bad at like Mm -hmm. continuity and whatnot, or just like having characters talk about things that happened to them before. They're like really bad at that, but having him be like, are you okay? Are you taking your meds? Like showing that he still cares and like keeps up with Mm -hmm. what's going on. Like, Cutting that out is so evil. Like I it's just a dumbification of Mickey. They just wanted him to be a big, stupid, dumb idiot in the whole season. Mm-hmm. And him checking in with his husband and keeping track of his mental health just didn't jive with that. And the fact that like Mickey, uh, he's like, "I'm your husband. I'm supposed to care." Yeah, I just that's also the only time that uh, he calls Ian his husband in the entire season, and it got cut. I don't know what was going through these editors' head because even if it's like, like I was, that was from that was from NIMBY, that was from yeah. episode four. So Sherman Payne wrote that. Oh, so Sherman Payne wrote that. Yeah, that was from the episode when Mickey, like, it's like you're my, you're my, um, my new employee. I have to worry you're my husband. Oh yeah, that you, they totally they could have cut so many other scenes from that episode. Yes, it was a big episode. They could have cut Frank listening to Terry and that old woman having sex. Because like I did not like that. I don't fully remember Carl's storyline in that episode, but I'm I'm confident they could have cut it. <laughs> I think it was when he first met Lucy. Yeah, they could have cut that. They could have 
You know what scene they could have cut is that scene when they're freaking like gutting the deer and they're like drinking the blood. They could have cut that scene. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes. It just sometimes these editing choices. I'm like, why do? And the same thing has been happening with a lot of the supernatural deleted scenes that have been coming out. I'm like, why did you choose to cut such an important moment? When I know that there was fat you could have trimmed in that episode. Like, what? I don't understand the logic of this decision making. Well, and from that same episode, because they released all those deleted scenes now. We saw the one from episode 11 with Mm -hmm. the dog, where people were like, did they get a dog? Apparently it's Mickey's cousin's dog, and he just brought it over to fuck with the lady who owns that, like, poodle. Like, that's kind of funny. And apparently they go to Pilates (laughs) together, Ian and Mickey. But, which... I don't like to think about it. It makes me laugh. But, um... Mad they cut it because I would like to see that. Well, from that same episode, from from episode four is the camo kiss, there's a scene of, of them in bed and, like, Ian is, like, looking awake and distraught and then, like, you see everybody waking up. Like, Liam is sleeping and then you see Franny with, like, when she gets the yeah. scissors from Debbie's bag and, like, fucks with her hair. So it's like, I I feel like they shouldn't have cut that either. I do understand starting the episode with, like, Frank waking up and all the Milkoviches are outside. But it is, like, I would have liked to see. And, like, that scene was only maximum 30 seconds. I guarantee there was 30 seconds of fat somewhere else in the episode that could have gotten, that could have gotten trimmed. Let's not pretend these writers ever made these editors and these writers ever made good decisions for the made show. good conscious decisions. Yeah, I was like, at this point, it's not the writers, it's not the crew, it's not the actors. It's the editors and it's the executive producer. Because the the executive producers have to, like, get the final say. It's the executive producers and the showrunners. And, like, Miles. reaching all the way back to the early seasons, too. Like, the, the famous deleted scene of Ian in Linda's apartment telling her that Cash is gone and comforting Linda. That was like an, a big moment for Ian. Yeah. And then Ian yeah. later on in Ian season going to three, the spa and seeing Svetlana. Yeah, when he goes mm-hmm. to see Svetlana in the spa. That was an important mental no- moment for Ian. An important emotional beat for him that we just didn't get to see until we saw a fucking deleted scene about it. And... I want to bring up the ones that we got promo pictures for, but never, ever, ever got, even on the DVD, yep. the ones outside the clinic and walking to yep. the dugout. Oh, or the scene in season four. Oh, yeah, the clinic one. Or the scene in season four where Mickey comes into the bar with his hand all roughed up because he says he he beat up Kenyatta for laying his hands on Mandy. Like, that scene was big, too. Oh, fuck. Yeah. The writers just don't understand. Like, it's so interesting because... You would think even from like an outsider view, like you could probably like, even though the executive producers and the runners watch the show, they're not like involved and they don't watch the show. And you would think that still with like important scenes, you would see them giving more information and doing more compared to other scenes in the show. You would think that you'd be like, you would keep those in compared to other small things that had no relation to any of the like plot lines. Further they leaned away from drama and leaned more towards comedy because they were reaching for awards they were never going to get. They just, like, cut all the meaty yeah. goodness for, like, stupid slapstick stuff that wasn't going to be good enough to face up against any of the comedies that year anyway. Because it is, like, okay. Like, yes, at this point, we can't even blame the writers because they wrote the scenes, they filmed the scenes, the scenes yeah, were they, just cut yeah. by the editors and the executive producers. Those are the real people we have to blame. And, like, I don't think at that point the writers can really, like, fight for it because at the end of the day, like, executive producers get the final say. But with talking about leaning into comedy and the slapstick, it's, like, Shameless had the opportunity to be a complete cult classic 
I really feel that. Yeah. Like they like they were they were critically acclaimed, whatever, but they didn't get like awards or like or like many nominations with the exception of uh William H. Macy. But they had mm-hmm. the total opportunity to be a complete cult classic among like the masses, not like, just teenage girls who think that Ethan Kokoski is hot. Like you know who never mm-hmm. won an Emmy? Supernatural. You know who has a rabid fan base for the rest of time? Super fucking natural. Because like they had they had the balls to keep in some of that good shit. Always sunny. Never been nominated for really anything except for mm-hmm. stunts. They have a it they're compl- they have a complete cult following. They've been on the air and they're for 15 years. They're going to be on the air for at least 18 seasons because mm-hmm. they're already renewed up to 18. So it's like if you want longevity, if you want an active fan base, if you want to make something meaningful that resonates with people, you have to ignore what you think that the, the award shows are going to want. Because everybody also knows, mm-hmm. like, nowadays that award shows are a complete crock of shit. I mean, think about all of the criticism yeah. that the Oscars and the Emmys and the Globes have gotten. Like, awards at this point mean nothing. This show's downfall truly was reaching for Emmys. When they switched from being a drama to a comedy and started reaching for Emmys, everything went to shit. Everything. Yeah. Because that was around season four i think when they switched from drama to comedy and that's when everything started going bad and you would think that that's the worst time to do it because like season four five and six are some of the most like heavy like most dramatic like intense scenes out of the entire series yet that show is considered a goddamn comedy but like everybody loves season four and five ever like everybody favorites when you ask Basically any fan, their favorite season. It's either it's either season three, four, or five. Oh yeah, no, no. Those are the best seasons by far. <laughs> well, that's because seasons four and five paid off on things that were built up through seasons one, two, and three in the drama sense. So, like they built it up and they had to pay it off. And then they started switching over to being like a funny, funny, haha garbage show. And like everything went to shit. But there are some things like I cannot believe this is the same show that had Carl doing the running. Yeah. Stop it! <laughs> this episode we're about to recap is the same show that had stupid bullshit like that in their pen in their last season. Um, I'm sorry. Did you see Ethan's TikTok being like, uh, "What is the one that you regret the yes. most in life?" And it yes. literally was the Renegade video. And I was like, "That poor boy." <laughs> that poor boy. But yeah, it is. It is so wild that that show that exists in season 11 is the same show that we're about to discuss because this episode was also incredibly heavy and really hard to watch. The whole back half of season three is so much. I really don't think like this episode, I don't think there's like a single unimportant scene. If I can remember correctly, there like every single scene is important. And with that, depending on how I edit this, like, 15 minutes into the episode, let's start talking about the episode, shall we? Okay, so yeah, we can't believe that that show is this show, but let's start talking about the season three, the good meat part of Shameless, in season three, episode seven, A Long Way Home. Such a good episode. It is really good. This episode premiered March 3rd, 2013. It was written by Eaton Frankel. Eaton? Ethan? I don't know. It's E-T-A-N. Yeah, it is Eaton. And yeah, he wrote four, and this is the fourth out of 13 Shameless episodes he wrote. So he did season one, episode seven, Frank Gallagher, Loving Husband, Devoted Father. Season two, episode five, Father's Day. Season two, episode 10, A Great Cause. This one and season three, episode 12, Survival of the Fittest. 
Season four, episode four, Strangers on a Train. Season four, episode nine, The Legend of Bonnie and Carl. Season five, episode six, Rites of Passage. Season five, episode episode nine, Carl's for Sentencing. Season six, episode six, Refugees. Season six, episode 10, Paradise Lost. Season seven, episode six, The Defenestration of Frank. And season seven, episode 11, Happily Ever After. Which is, I think... That man is feeding us. Oh my God, Happily Ever After. Ah! That is the that is Mickey's like quote unquote final episode. That's Monica's death. Reading the rest of this list, there's no like real like super standout episodes, with the exception of Survival of the Fittest, I think. Yeah. But like there's but they're all like good episodes. They're just not mm-hmm. like episodes that you think of when you think of like oh my god, amazing episodes. Except happily ever after. She also wrote for other TV shows like Get Shorty, Animal Kingdom, Southland, Friday Night Lights, Gossip Girl, and others. Sorry, talking about Animal Kingdom just reminded me that Emmy directed an episode of Animal Kingdom, which also the major development we've had since last time we recorded is she's a mom. She's a mummy. (laughs) She's a MILF. Uh, She's She's a MILF now. They had a baby girl. Dude, everyone is pregnant or having babies. I saw some people comment, oh, this is why she didn't come back to do Shameless. I'm like, they also could have paid her $30 million and she wouldn't have come back. <laughs> she would have not showed her ass. <laughs> I mean, like, if it was really that hard, like, if it was really, like, you know, you're not supposed to travel while pregnant, travel while pregnant, or, like, COVID. Well, they could have totally just been, like, Fiona's pregnant. Look at her, Or close-up cam. Like, they could have had her on Like, the- I don't know. They could have shot in New York. There's a million studios that they could have shot at. Like, it's, it's literally, like, they could have just sent a crew out there, just had a crew, yeah. like like built up in New York. like i don't know it's literally just they just didn't try her pregnancy was not it like it's emmy 1000 oh, yeah. was never gonna come back like that was not gonna happen um, but good for her she's a mom she's a milf and i love that for her but this episode was directed by mimi leader this is the third of six shameless episodes mimi has directed uh she did season one episode five three boys season two episode ten a great cause this one Season four, episode two, My Oldest Daughter. Season four, episode eight, Hope Springs Paternal. And season <gasps> five, episode 11, Drugs Actually. Season four, episode eight is the only one that like sticks out to mm-hmm. me. Our logo. Well, same, same. But that's just because the the spinning camera shot was freaking genius. Mimi has also directed shows like Smash, The Leftovers, Almost Human, The Morning Show, which is amazing. And she also directed the RBG movie on the basis of sex, which is very good. And this episode's synopsis. Fiona makes a bold decision regarding her future with the kids. Debbie and Carl continue to deal with their foster homes. Frank prepares for his court appearance by getting sober. Timmy Wong and his mother arrive at Sheila's to take Jaime. The previous one was done by Frank and Carl. And Frank's actual line in the previous one is, here's what you missed. Not too much. It was kind of late last week. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> they knew. They knew what was going on. The biggest lie. The biggest lie. And previously, for anybody who needs to be catching up, Fiona had to go to Frank for help getting the kids back from DFS. Debbie is in a terrible foster home. Liam and Carl are with a bougie gay couple who want to adopt Liam. We get reminded of Karen abandoning her baby. Jody and Sheila are having kinky sex. Jimmy and Estefania are married for INS purposes. Ian and Mickey get caught and beat up by Terry. Fiona finds out it was Frank that reported them to DFS and had murder in her eyes. And then the titles. Is this the episode where Karen is like, hey, besties. Yeah. I'm here. This week does see the return of Karen. Yes. I like her. Sorry, guys. (laughs) 
So we open on the empty Gallagher house and Fiona, she's super dressed up, ready, ready to go somewhere. And she's just kind of walking around the empty house. And it's really sad in that Fiona way that she does. Uh, she's putting her foot down. She's making Jimmy get deadbolts and change the locks on the doors so that Frank stays the motherfuck out of the house forever. And Jimmy's like, yes, ma'am. And getting the deadbolts and stuff. But as they head out the door, Jimmy asks, are you sure about this? Jimmy's vibe in this episode is incorrect. Yeah, he's so off. Because, like, we know what his issue is with, like, the whole her getting custody of the kids. But it's like, I really wish he would have just talked to her and just asked her. Been like, hey, is this a thing that you want to do together? Is this a thing that we are committing to as a couple? Or is this just, like, a you thing? But, like, the fact that at all mm. he thinks that she has to consult with him. Like, what? Because then he doesn't consult with her about a bunch of other stuff. And it's like, bestie. Also, he cheated on her, like, two episodes ago. Come on. This is just, it. it is flabbergasting to me. That he's, like, trying to, trying to make this about him and their relationship. You bought a house once without even asking her. The audacity <laughs> of this man. The audacity yeah. of this man, for real. Oh. But over at his foster house, Carl is locked out of the porn channels because they've finally learned. Uh, they can only, they, they put the child locks on the TVs. And apparently they're also <laughs> getting him a tutor because he is two grade levels behind in math. And he goes, only two? What is he in, though? <laughs> like, third grade? Like, he can only do first grade math. I think he's supposed, I think he's... In third grade, because he's definitely supposed to be in, like, fifth or sixth. Yeah, because he keeps getting held back and stuff. Yeah. Um, and at mm -hmm. Debbie's foster home, one of the girls is going home, so Debbie is being forced downstairs into the jewelry sweatshop that her foster mom is running. They have to make jewelry to earn food. Okay, I thought this, I thought they this little storyline was kind of, like, really interesting, actually. I was, like, super intrigued by this one, mm -hmm. and I was like, this is so fucked up, but I can, like, it's kind of unrealistic, but I can actually see it happening. Like, people using their foster children for, oh, yeah. like, free labor, for sure. Yeah. That, what the, how the world is, that's literally, like, probably the most Freaking same Mama thing. Kamala. <laughs> Mama Kamala. Literally mama Um, Over at the alibi, Frank is drinking and saying he has a custody hearing tomorrow, but he knows the drill. He knows how to do the bare minimum to get custody of his kids back. The like main conversation, I think it's like centered around like Kev, Tommy, and like other bar bumps. And of course, it's like Frank is just so disgusting. And he's like, I've gotten back before. Like, because he's like, oh yeah, I know how to like sway the judge, like pull up this, pull out an AA chip. Yeah, he's like, I know the drill. They're never going to take my yeah. kids. Like, well, maybe they should, Frank. Maybe they fucking should. Yeah, please. And meanwhile, at the courthouse, Fiona and Jimmy are chasing down, like, a fancy lawyer saying, she's like, I want the kids back. And this lawyer is a friend of Jimmy's brother. And he's like, you can't afford me. And she's like, okay, but you have to fucking listen to me and tell me what I need to do to get these goddamn kids back. And she puts her foot down and he sighs and he's like, Oh, fine. My firm makes me do one pro bono case a year, so I'll take your case. Yeah, he's like, might as well be someone I know, yeah. like, or a friend of a friend. Yeah. And at the Jackson house, Sheila walks in on Jody hanging a noose, which, like, not to spoil his <laughs> character's ending on Black Sails, but it was a little much for me to see that happening. 
but Sheila, oh Sheila's like, hi, no, hard no on that. Uh, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm not hanging you. That's insane. And she freaks out. Oh, we love Jody literally into anything. What's that called when you like choke yourself out? Autoerotic asphyxiation. They did that. On, they, yeah. That was on BoJack too. That one character like died from it. <laughs> There's that one movie. I forget what it's called. Where that uh, James Ranson plays a character who does that. Well, famously in Queer as Folk, um, Brian uses the scarf that he later wears to Justin's prom to try and uh, autoerotic asphyxiate, and then it gets covered in Justin's blood, and then he wears it underneath his clothes for all of season two. That is evil and heinous. On a lighter note, in Game Over Man, Adam Devine goes full frontal dick out to fool Steve Howie, surprisingly, Kev. To fool him into thinking that he's dead, he died from autoerotic asphyxiation. Full frontal dick out. Gotta say, pretty good dick. <laughs> packing? Pretty good dick. He's not packing, but he is certainly like average to above average. Okay. He's dick. <laughs> so yeah, Sheila's like, fuck this. I'm not doing this. And and but Jody still tries to do it himself and like see if it'll work. He like does the thing where like he like grabs the top of the rope and like like puts all his weight and like starts to choke himself. <laughs> oh my god, he goes he goes, Oh yeah, this is gonna work. <laughs> But there's a knock at the front door, which makes Sheila go, thank God I can leave this room. But it's Jaime's dad, and he wants the baby back. His mom is behind him yelling. He's like, I think you have my baby in there. Yeah, he's like, uh, I think you have it my baby. It doesn't seem like he wants the baby, but his mom certainly <laughs> wants the baby. Oh, yeah. No, it definitely doesn't look like it was his choice or decision at all. And then over at an AA meeting, Frank is there bullshitting, trying to get a 30-day chip for court. But all the other al- alcoholics in the room know and recognize him and go, you haven't been sober for 30 minutes, let alone 30 fucking days, you asshole. Yeah, that is such a funny scene. I like that lady, but then obviously we see her later in the episode again. <laughs> oh yeah, she goes into the After online. his, he does like a big Frank speech like he always does and then... That lady's like, I should start drinking again. Uh, but meanwhile, Fiona rushes back to the Gallagher house. She says she needs to download a will from the internet and get a W-2 that proves that she has a job. Because remember last week, she lost her job. Uh, but again, Jimmy is trying to slow her down and get her to think about all of this for a second. He's like, wait, just consider... Like, she hasn't been doing the job of a mom for years now. Yeah, that's, like, the whole thing. Like, I obviously get it from the point of view when they were, like, saying, like, you're gonna be doing this forever. Like, he has still, like, 12 years left or all that shit like that. Well, Liam is, like, two. So she, that's... The, the, I think the judge is literally, like, 16 years of your life. Like, I feel like it's just known at that point that was, like, there's no easy way out. Like, this is, but this is literally just making it legal, the commitment that she has already made to take care of these kids. and it helps her being able to, like, like, obviously, like, uh, in later seasons and stuff like that, like, with being able to help with the hospital and checking someone out and being a legal guardian, being able to take them and do things. So Lip and Ian show up in the kitchen and she's like, what, you guys got sprung? They're like, we're allowed to leave during the day now. So they, they went to the house during the day. And they are going to bring Carl and Liam Carl's throwing <laughs> stars and other assorted weapons to make it hell on the foster dad so that they won't want to keep them. Fiona doesn't even fight it. She just hand- she plucks a throwing star from the ceiling and hands it over. I and love she's that. Like, <laughs> she's like, oh, by the way, I'm petitioning for custody. Okay, thanks. Goodbye. And that kind of stuns Lip for a second, kind of takes him aback. 
Um, and at Sheila's house, Jaime's other grandma, she's screaming about her son being the dad and that she's going to take the baby. And Sheila is a kind woman who shows um, sympathy for the other grandmother because she's like, I love this baby because he is my grandson. And I recognize that he is also this woman's grandson. So she like has a heart and doesn't want to let Jaime go. But she also like recognizes that she's not the only family he has. Yeah. And especially with Karen being gone and he's the only other guardian that's like biologically his. But on the other hand, the show is incredibly fucking racist all the goddamn time because they have Jaime's grandmother going like, oh, what's wrong with him? He has he has Down syndrome, an extra chromosome. We have these herbs that'll take care of the chromosome. They're, it's so racist. It's They're so, so anti Asian all the time. It's insane. Sometimes, like it's genuinely like it's on purpose at this like, point. I honestly think that Brittany, the C- the DFS worker, is the only Asian person that has come into this show and left without being made fun of for being an Asian person. It. Yep. It's insane to me. It's insane. Um, but Jaime's dad finds one of Jody's leather sex harnesses, and Jody's like, uh, that's that's for our dog. And what? then he starts to call the dog. He's like, We're here, Sparky. <laughs> the dog they don't have. Uh, but Jaime's grandma, she's like, he has so many cousins, he'll be surrounded by family if you just let us take him. And Jody and Sheila look so, so sad. Cause like, how how are they gonna deprive Jaime of family? But they also don't want to let him go. It's so sad. Sheila loves that baby so much. Yeah. Plus, it's also like the only thing besides Jody left of Karen yep. yeah. still there. That and is this it. is like she wanted a second chance at raising a kid, like yeah. right this time. Over at the alibi, Jimmy tells Fiona, You don't have to do this. Custody is a big responsibility. And she just kind of brushes it off because, like, don't you realize I've already been doing this? Yeah. Lip and Ian are going through Kev's finances because Lip does Kev's uh, taxes. And they're like, hey, Kev, do you mind if we fake a W-2 that says that Fiona works at the bar? And Kev's like, yeah, sure. What's a W-2? <laughs> <laughs> and like Lip's like, see, here you go. And meanwhile, while they're doing that, in the background, Ian does that arm thing. He like grabs his shoulder and rotates his arm. And it's... Oh, the the shoulder conspiracy okay, that you have. Listen up. My shoulder no. conspiracy is this. Um, so in season four, when Ian starts to show signs of bipolar disorder, some of his symptoms manifest in a physical way. And one of them is him grabbing his shoulder and rolling it because he's having these little aches and pains in his shoulder and in his body because he's overworking it. And in this episode, he does that little shoulder thing. And I personally believe that Cameron is method enough for that to be on purpose. <laughs> Joker makeup wearing in his bedroom method actor Cameron Monaghan <laughs> definitely consciously did that. Yes. I would believe that it is a character detail that it's like Ian when he's starting to have a mental break. Because I do believe that his first ever episode was after Terry caught them and they got beat up in like Mickey's wedding. That was his first ever like depressive and then following manic episode and definitely what after happens in this episode oh yeah for sure i do think that ian's like main coping mechanism or like main sign that he is spiraling is overworking overworking himself physically like working out too much i very much do see that for him like like working out for like hours and hours a day Uh, so i'm just saying that i think that that little arm grab 
that's my that was my first sign. That was my first sign that Cam- Cameron knew what the fuck was happening. Cameron was like, Amanda, Cameron listening to this is like, Amanda, my shoulder just hurt actually that day. So <laughs> Cameron, Cameron listening to this would be like, Amanda, I don't even fucking we remember. We make fun of him so much. There's zero chance that he would listen to this and not try to sue us. No, he would have um, one episode of just all three of us. And then immediately we'd get an email, a cease and desist in our email. <laughs> and I would be like, and I would be like, heart um (laughs) we'll we'll just re we'll just reply back with his ginger tweet (laughs) yeah literally i'd be like this is slander libel all love so but lip says the worst case scenario they're gonna fake these documents uh for kev's taxes they're like worst case scenario if kev gets audited there's no way that someone's gonna look at these financials and think this fucking guy was smart enough to commit tax fraud and they're all like yeah that tracks that's fine and Fiona's like, okay, we also need a will that from Ginger that says that we get the house in the event of her death. So then we also need a death certificate, which means we also need a dead body. Oh my god, I talked about this last week, like the way this event, these events unfold. Wild. So evil. And Jimmy gets a phone call and says it's his mom, but it's really an INS emergency uh, with Estefania, which I still don't understand why he doesn't just tell Fiona because she knows he's married for the INS stuff. So why can't he just say, I have to go do INS? Like, she knows that he is still yeah, married for that reason. His, like, caller ID for her is still mom or, like, yeah. mom 911. Yeah, it's, like, mom 911. I feel like it probably makes her upset to hear about me, maybe, because she's like, oh, yeah, your wife, the- you're married. But also Fiona's like, I'm very new age. Yeah. She's like, I don't care. Like, just him lying about it was a choice because he didn't have to. Because she knew what was going on with his marriage situation. And that also caused so many problems later. Like, you saying that just made me forget that she knew because of how secretive he still with was with it consecutively throughout the rest of season three. I think he just likes to lie for fun. Yeah, he gets off on it. Uh, but at... At Debbie's foster home, she's turning in her jewelry for food, and then she has to use one of her food tickets for bathroom privileges and also receives a ration of toilet paper. Like one or like two squares. Crazy. And she tries to escape through the back door, but she gets caught and we hear Mama Kamala sees everything. All her catchphrase, queen. Ah, Mama Kamala. But also that she sees everything. Yeah. Very important. Meanwhile, Nando, uh, who is the person that watches Jimmy and makes sure he doesn't get into I trouble. I love Nando. What a kid. Nando's great. He's so he's funny. He's so funny. That scene where he's singing payphone. <laughs> yeah, I was say when he's listening to Maroon 5 and he's like, I love them. You ever heard them before? <laughs> but he races Jimmy over to Estefania's apartment and Jimmy climbs in through the fire escape, strips, gets his hair wet and wraps a towel around his waist and comes flying down the stairs like he just got out of the shower and says hi. He's like, let's get this started. <laughs> also, hold on. I'm sorry to go back on the whole Maroon 5 thing, but also like in like as two seasons later when Debbie and fucking... Um, Debbie and... Uh, they're singing like maps yeah, or what something. Is Shameless and Maroon 5. <laughs> they love it. They are obsessed. They love it. Uh... Fiona, meanwhile, uh, she asks V about, uh, she's like, people die at the nursing home, like, all the time, right? V's like, V is listening, but is also having her own conversation about trying to get her mom pregnant. They're doing that best friend thing where you're both having two separate conversations while you're listening to each other about what the other person's talking about. And so Fiona hears V, but then is like, oh, yes, that is very 
upsetting that you're going through a lot. Can can you get me a dead body though? Like, do you can you get me one of those? Doesn't she say something that like more people die when her coworkers working? She goes, "That bitch is like the grim fucking reaper." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then we go over to a church where Frank is walking in to ask the priest for a character reference letter to get the kids back. And the priest is like, no, you thieving deadbeat. You just stole the fucking collection plate last week. And I've written a letter for you before. Get the fuck out of here. And then Frank says- Isn't that the same priest from season one? Yeah. Who, they're Carl, like, you know, tries to make a pass at him. And then Frank says some super racist shit and just pretty much exhausts the man. He wears him down. And he and the priest is like, so I just have to I just have to print my old one and sign it. And Frank's like, yeah, that'll be great. Can you use uh church letterhead too? That'd be that'd be awesome. <laughs> I love like the like the media just like like transition of Frank being like, yeah, can you just like uh do that? <laughs> well, it's also funny because it's like they both know that the other one's a piece of shit. Like everybody knows that this priest is like a pedophile yeah. and like does shady stuff. Everyone knows Frank's is a piece of shit. So obviously he's like. I know that you would do this for me. And then we're back at Sheila's. It's very sad. She's handing Jaime over and telling his other grandmother all of his favorite songs and how to take care of him and what puts him to sleep. And thankfully, the other grandmother doesn't seem like a monster. Like, she seems like, I'm his grandma and I want to get to know him and we'll schedule times for you to come over and see him. And so it's not like she's ripping the baby away from Sheila. Like, she wasn't nasty about it. Yeah, I think it's, like, weekends and holidays or something. Yeah. So, like, she could have been, like, threatening with legal action and stuff, but she was just, like, they're working it out amicably. And it's really sad, but it's kind of nice. But she, but Jody and Sheila are are devastated to see Jaime leave the house. But because Jody is a sex addict, the moment that Jaime even goes away, he tries to comfort Sheila by asking if she wants to have sex. She's like, <laughs> "Get the fuck away from me!" Oh, love you, Jody. Wrong time. Jimmy, meanwhile, Jimmy gets through that INS inspection, and then Nando is sitting down writing out checks from Estefania's account for like rent and stuff. And Nando's like, you have to be here every day now because that's going to happen more often. And Jimmy's like, yeah, sure, sure. Just like not tomorrow. And Nando's like, what the what the fuck do you mean not tomorrow? It's like, my girlfriend has a custody hearing. I have to go, even though Fiona didn't ask me before petitioning for custody. To which Nando, the absolute legend, goes, why would she ask you? She's taking care of her family and she's too good for you. Oh, thank you, Nando. You said it when we all thought it. He literally, especially because they have a conversation, like, after their fight, or after he fights with her again, like, in a later episode, they sit and, like, drink together or something. And, and it's they're, like, like, sitting by the water. And it's, like, he really talked some sense into him. He was, like, you are being an idiot. Yeah. He's, like, why would she ask you for, for permission to seek custody He's, of her family? Yeah, he says something really interesting about how, like, people can go from, like, poor to rich and, like, adjust and, like, be, like, whatever but you can't really go from, like, rich to poor without being bitter and, like, resentful. Yeah, because he was, like, he sucks. Like, he was, like, I went from nothing and now I'm in here. And he was, like, you, he was, like, you need to get back up there. Because he even says, he was, like, you're not built to be poor. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not even as if, like, he's, it's not like he's poor, like, without a choice. Because he, honestly, (laughs) Jimmy does have a choice. But he so, does. Jimmy know. does try to get extra cash from the accounts that pay for Estefania. But Nando's like, no, fuck you. No, you're not. This getting is for anything. Estefania money, not for your fucking girlfriend. Yeah. Well, yeah, because he's not allowed to steal cars anymore, so he can't just like. Because uh, 
not nando but like the father said no yeah he was like you cannot do that anymore meanwhile lip and ian are talking about fiona becoming their guardian and ian's like it doesn't make a difference she's been doing the job for years they're just making it legal because lip's like a little bit pressed he's like how are you feeling about this and yeah ian's literally like she's been doing it like already like what 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 makes the difference besides her name on our like freaking can pick us up from school and yeah, Lip's like, I don't know. Lip is just such an asshole about it. It's sometimes. because Lip is such in such close age to Fiona. He feels like a little bit resentful about it. But like, you're gonna well, because Lip is like, well, if you're the mom, then I'm the dad. Yeah. just like Ian said. And it's like, well, my guy, homeboy. But like, like Fiona's your mom and your dad. You're still a my, but it's like homeboy. You're still a minor. Like you need somebody legally, even if like emotionally the vibe is different and it's only for a couple of months like you turn 18 in less than a year calm down like it's not that (sighs) big of a deal for you oh yeah lip is an aries (laughs) but mandy joins them while they're walking and ian asks is mickey around he's uh he owes me 50 bucks and he's been missing subtle subtle and mandy's like well i haven't seen him but i know terry pistol whipped him and Lip's like, why Why did he get pistol whipped? And she's like, since when does anybody need an excuse to pistol whip Mickey? I don't stand for the Mickey slander. I don't stand for it. Mickey slander. He's kind of an asshole, though. Mm-hmm. Probably at home. Probably at home, he's kind of a dick. But, like, whatever. Literally, but the scene funny. when he, like, walks in on Mandy and Ian, he's like, what's up, douchebags? And burps. Like, you know, he's oh, the worst at home. No, but that's him flirting, so... <laughs> But she asks if Lip signed up for the SATs, and he's like, uh, no, I have not done that yet, but if I did do it, it would take me four seconds on the computer. And he was like, I'm not taking the SAT unless someone's paying me to do it. Yeah, because he's already taken it a million times. It's just about taking it for himself. Then they have to go in to get a will notarized and backdate it to 2006. At Sheila's house, Jody's friends are coming in with power tools and tarps and a jug of lube. <laughs> and so they're setting up to without asking her jody is setting up a group sex time that is supposed to include sheila he's like do you have enough extension cords he's like you got power outlet (laughs) like what was gonna happen and then they they bring like gatorade and stuff because they're like we need to hydrate (laughs) but she's like um get the fuck get the fuck out of my house and she tells Jody she was right to let Jaime leave with the Wongs, that this is not a safe environment for children. Oh, mic drop. And so Jody's like, are you saying I'm the reason Jaime is gone? And she doesn't say no. And he gets his guys to go leave to go to another sex party in a different part of town. Mm-hmm. So he just tells her that he's going to go cheat on her. Yeah, I was like, I was like, mm-hmm, cheating. And then he leaves. And then we oh, go. Oh, shit. I didn't even think about it like that. Yeah. He tells her he's going to go cheat on her. But then back to the Gallagher house, Jimmy is putting some deadbolts on the house and he says Frank is already inside. And Fiona's like, what the fuck, man? She's like, he was right in the fridge when I got here. I don't know what you want. And so Fiona goes inside and confronts Frank and is like, I want the kids. Sign this form. Give me your rights. I want the kids. And she somehow already has Monica's signature. I'm guessing she's just really good at faking Monica's signature. No, I think she just forged it. Didn't somebody have a throwaway line about she was like, I've been forging doctor's notes since I was 11 or something. Yeah, I think it's like a pass between her and Jimmy because uh, the lawyer guy's like, you need your mom and your dad's signature. Oh, and she literally just starts, she literally just signs it and she goes, there, Monica. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, that's nice, but you have to sign, like, for... Yeah. Yeah. But she already has Monica's signature, but 
Frank is like, how the fuck did you get that? She's like, I'll tell you if you sign. I'll tell you where to find her. He's down bad for her. Mm-hmm. He's, he's like, like, where is she? Where is she? Where is she? But he's like, no, I'm not signing away my rights. And the Fiona's like, what the fuck do you care? You're the one that called DFS. And Frank doesn't remember doing it. We discussed this yeah, last week. Yeah, that's what I said. We were like, I was like, I think he was just too drunk. Like, he didn't remember. Yeah. And she's like, if you won't sign, I'm going to have you declared unfit. And then V calls uh, saying she's got a body. She's got a body for them. <laughs> There's a whole lot going on. Uh, Debbie, meanwhile, is starving in the sweatshop of her foster home because she's terrible at making jewelry, apparently. And she puts Benadryl into Mama Kamala's soda when it is put down next to her. She puts like six Benadryl in there. Why are we blaming Debbie for being bad at making jewelry? She should not have to make jewelry to eat. (laughs) She shouldn't have to. But like, you're also a tiny little girl. Making jewelry is like half of what you do. Yeah. Her poor little friend is like allergies to the extreme, like snotting, sweating, just like so sick but debbie is scheming queen just pops all those pills in her like diet soda i love the scene though like right after she does it like mama kamala picks up the drink like chugs it and go like just go it's like you would taste benadryl benadryl tastes you would get a whole powder full up in that straw well she likes she like stirred it she was like also who drinks their fucking like to go drink without the lid on right Anyway, at Carl's foster gay's house, uh, Ian, Lip, and Mandy are visiting, and Lip is telling Carl to be careful with the weapons. And Carl begs Lip, he's like, can you just take me? Can you just fucking take me with you and just leave? They're making me bathe and brush my teeth and go to church. And Lip is like, dude, those aren't bad things. Like, you're safe here, so we're gonna leave you here for a minute. (laughs) He's like, but get the security codes. We'll come back in a few months, steal a bunch of their shit. Foreshadowing always think it okay ready to be sad amanda yeah i put in my notes we're ready to be sad now because ian splits off from the group goes off on his own to the abandoned buildings where he and mickey hang out mickey is shooting at a target and looks fucking wrecked he's still all bruised and ian only has like a scratch and a small bruise on his face but mickey's face is fucked up and i think he's been getting beatings like every day and at least since he like left the house and started just like sleeping in the building probably yeah and then ian says uh thanks to me you've been pistol whipped and shot in the ass yeah and a little bit more than that ian like he's trying to make he's trying to make it like kind of a joke but then he's like okay like funny time over like connect with me yeah are you okay like how are you feeling are you okay and mickey's like i can't talk to you because if i do there's target on your back yeah and, like, I feel like at this point, if Mickey looked Ian in the eye, Mickey would fucking break. Like, some... Yeah. I also feel like he resents him a little bit. Oh, yeah. Because it's, oh, yeah. like, because it's, like, this delicate balance that I've built up with my dad where he kind of respects me and trusts me to do, like, work with him, like, drug work or whatever, ha- is completely shattered. Yeah. And, and so he kind of resents him a little bit, but he also hates himself more and he hates for himself, letting it happen. And he needs to keep Ian safe, and he probably feels guilty about making that shit happen to Ian, too. And let's be clear, he doesn't have a single line in this scene. It's just nope. everything. No. They called Nolan, and they were like, can you work for a whole day with no lines at all? And he and was he like, was bet like, on my way. He said, my pleasure. Because Ian says he wants to make sure Mickey's okay. He can't stop thinking about what happened. And Mickey just, he can't look at him. He just keeps shooting. He can't fucking look at him. And Mickey just sniffs 
and keep shooting because he's coping, Ian. This is how Mickey copes. This is what he's doing. Uh, but isn't Ian like, doesn't he say, like, can you at least look at me? And like, that's the late. way that he that delivered later? that line. No, 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 no that's, that's this scene. scene, I think. I think the way he delivered that line was so good. Yeah. Can you at least look at me? And I was then, like, then oh he my God. sniffles and then I think he shoots again. Yeah, so yeah. Ian gets frustrated and he leaves. Um, and then Frank goes to Sheila's house looking to steal one of Sodi's one of Jody's sex addict anonymous chips to use for court, because I guess all all anonymous chips look the same. Uh, like sobriety chips. I'm pretty sure they're just like they just like have the like time that you've been sober on. Yeah, they're like and a poker chip. Like, that's like it. Yeah. It's literally yeah, just like a poker chip and then it has like one month, six months, one year. But uh he goes to look for one of Jody's to steal and Sheila is a mess. And she's like, Jody doesn't care about Sex Addicts Anonymous anymore. And Jaime's grandmother came by and took the baby. And Frank's like, oh, damn, I'm actually going to miss that kid. And Sheila's like, well, it's not healthy for him to be here in the house with Jody's issues. And she's like, you can you help me do an intervention for Jody? Because we can, if we can get Jody better, I can probably get Jaime back. And Frank, she asks him to do the intervention for Jody. And he says no. And then she's like, okay, well, then you can move out whenever. And he's like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, hold on. I never said that. <laughs> She's a, she is a sneaky little bitch, and we love that for her. And speaking of sneaky, Debbie knocked Mama Kamala out with that Benadryl. So Mama Kamala is asleep on the couch. So Debbie is getting the fuck out of there. She gets to the door, but before she leaves, she turns around, grabs the super glue that kids are making jewelry with, and super glues Mama Kamala's eyes shut because Mama Kamala sees everything. She goes, no, when she, when she walks out, she goes, Mama Kamala sees everything, huh? And then she just leaves. <laughs> <laughs> super glue on your eyes! God, that woman is blind now. Um, meanwhile, at the morgue, Lip, Fiona, Ian, V, and Jimmy are coming to get a dead body for Ginger's death certificate. Jimmy, again, gets called away for Estefania shit. And she is yelling at a naked man to leave her house. And then she's like, Jimmy, you have to finish me. And because he's an asshole, he stays and agrees. She, like, takes off her robe and she's the just, way, like, full naked. The, and the way like, she says Jimmy with her accent, she's like, Jimmy, Jimmy. Yeah. And he's like, you called me. Because he didn't get you off. And she's yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> yeah and then she's like, she's like, finish me. Something like that. Yeah. She like says it like that. For the record, yeah. I still love Estefania and don't believe Estefania has ever done anything wrong. I think she's the absolute best. She was like, oh, oh no, I, she did nothing wrong ever in her entire life. No. She just so happened to have a rich dad. Yeah. Um, a not so good dad. At the Gallagher house, they're unloading the dead lady onto the bed, and Lip takes out some garden shears because the real Aunt Ginger lost a toe, so this one has to lose a toe, too. But Ian, so Ian's like, fuck it, I'll do it. And he takes the shear because Fiona tries to hand it to V. She's like, you're a nurse. And V's like, get the fuck out of here. I'm not doing that. So Ian takes it, tries to psych himself up to do it, but he can't, he cannot do it. He chicken, he can't do it. He starts, like, throwing up. (laughs) so fiona steps up and she psychs herself up and she gets ready to do it but then they hear a noise downstairs debbie is raiding the fridge and fiona finds out that she hasn't been fed at the group home so debbie 
they're like, Debbie, oh my god, you haven't been fed? And Debbie's like, quick, I have to bring food back to the other kids. She's literally, like, scarfing it down. There's, like, tears running down her they're face. It's, and you, you can see it on everyone's faces. They're just like, oh, fuck. And then they're immediately, like, they're like, make PB&Js. Let's go, let's go. They, like, grab grocery bags. They're like, we're gonna feed. Grab cereal. With, without <laughs> skipping a beat, they're like, oh, the other kids are starving, too? Gather all the food in the house. We're gonna, we're gonna go back there. Oh. I love when the Gallagher's are good like people. They're just kids. I mean, the Gallagher's, like, can just... They can, like, buy more food. Obviously, they're gonna have to, like, work hard to get the money to buy the food. But it's, like, they Let's could. no other option. They got the squirrel fun. Like, you know. And that little kick in her ass, Fiona, full of fury, goes charging upstairs and snips off the dead woman's toe. Because she's got to get this shit moving. Back to Sheila's house. Jody is coming in and asking for ice for his crotch because he just dropped, like, 12 loads. <laughs> And Tommy, Lena, like you said, Tommy is at the house for an intervention. And he's like, your drinking is ruining the family. And then they're like, Tommy, it's not that kind of intervention. And he's like, pulls out a flask. (laughs) He's like, he's like, oh, okay. Oh, dope. I can drink at this intervention. Serve. Yeah. So Sheila reads a note about how Jody's sex addiction is affecting her and that he needs to confront his sex addiction or she will be forced to remove him from her and Jaime's life. Or Frank, who's only doing this to help himself, adds another layer to it. He's like, you know what? You need to hand over your chips before you can earn them back. Go fuck yourself. I mean, he's right, but like, you know he's doing it for other motives. Like, he's ulterior only doing motives. It so he can show his own chips. Yeah. yeah, but like, but like, he is right. Like, he he was right to take them from him and be like, you have to earn them back. Yeah. But the fact that he kept the chips and was like, he's going to use them in court. Yeah. Remember the whole dead body thing? So Fiona called paramedics who are skeptical but buying it. And uh, we get the mention that one paramedic plays softball with cousin Patrick. He hits on her while they're taking the dead body away. This man ruined the rest of the like he ruined their entire plan. And then she Mm. says can we talk about it after I bury my aunt? He's literally like I know it's a wrong time um but like okay to be maybe like to go out and she's like no. To be fair he was kind of cute. Yeah. So like so if Jimmy Steve was like out of here I would be like, okay, Fiona. But, like, something so wild about season three is that these writers were planning something episodes in advance. Oh, my God. Just a little drop. Well, I think it comes to fruition, like, in this episode, too. But it is, like... And a little bit later, yeah. But it is, like, the fact that they they dropped that line in there instead of just having it be, like, oh, heard through the grapevine. Like, no, they actually had a scene. Yeah. So Jody is now handcuffed to Sheila's bed to help sweat out his urges. But handcuffs turn him on, so it's a it's a rough moment. She's like, he's like, it's not really helping it a bit, and she's like, oh, and he's like, yeah, handcuffs turn me yeah. on, and he literally has a whole tent in his pants. I don't know. I mean, I think if you can just like sit there with your erection and not like do anything with it, like that's like a good, a good step. But that's definitely like a kick thing. Just it's like edging. <laughs> Whatever. So then we cut to court. And Alex Borstein must have, like, been actually having her baby because Frank's like, my lawyer's in labor. She can't be here. Like, they must have, <laughs> she must have literally been giving birth. So they're like, you don't need to be in this scene. Uh, we'll just have Frank represent yeah. himself. I mean, to, it's like, I don't know. Like, maybe they planned that out ahead of time because they knew when she would be due. So maybe it was just like, uh, Frank's, was... Frank's the type to represent himself in court. Yeah, it's such a Frank move to be like, I'm representing myself. Yeah. 
So Fiona's like, well, sad news. Ginger passed away, but she left us the house. And Frank is so pissed because Ginger being officially dead means no more social security checks for him to cash. Mm-hmm. And then all the kids come barreling in and Lip has Aunt Ginger's will to file. Briefly back to Sheila's house. She hears someone downstairs and thinks it's Frank, but whoop, it's Karen. Oh, oh my hey God. Sheila runs up and hugs her. She's thrilled to have her home. And Karen's like, can I have food? Can you make me a sandwich? Immediately. You just got back. I I wish we would have heard more about, well, because we know that like cooking for people is like Sheila's love language, but also like mm-hmm. apparently Karen like did not have a good time. Yeah. I wish we would have heard a little more about what happened to her because she was like some guy took all my money, like said we were going to run away together and then he like robbed me and left me alone. Yeah. Yeah, and that's all, because she says that to Lip, and then that's all we hear about it. Yeah, I wish we would have found out, like, what else happened to her. But Karen has reappeared, uh, but then we have to go back to court, where Brittany Sturgis from DFS is giving the rundown of, like, the whole situation of why she took the kids away. And Frank tries to get the kids back, but Fiona is has filed to terminate his rights. And I can't believe Fiona is only supposed to be 22 years old here. That's insane. Yeah, I think Emmy was, what, like, 23 or 24? Yeah, that's four years younger than me. Um, That's, like, a year older than me. Yeah, Yeah, that's my brother's age. Imagine having to take care of five siblings by yourself, like, right now. But she's already been doing it for so long. That's the thing. Uh, So Lip is off in the other part of the courthouse trying to file a will for Aunt Ginger with Mandy. But someone else has already filed one. Patrick Gallagher has already filed one he works quick because the lady's like wow ginger gallagher is second one today and they're like what yeah and they say like that other will was filed like like dates back to 2009 so like it's it's more recent so theirs is like the one that they would use um but then they're like oh but she had dementia she wasn't a sound mind and they're like okay prove it (laughs) at sheila's house uh she's making karen eggs benedict and karen who looks rough karen's been through it she apologizes for all the things she said before she left and for making Sheila choose. And then she asks where Jaime is and Sheila has to tell her that he is with his dad. And Karen's like, I didn't deserve to have him anymore anyway. And then Sheila, the queen of quotes, says the best thing about mistakes is that we get to correct them. Okay, but knowing what I know now about about what Karen did, it's like she was yeah. fucking acting. Yeah. She was lying. She was like, I just feel so bad. Like, I don't get to have it anymore. I don't deserve it. Karen scenes for, like, this episode and, like, the next, like, couple episodes on. Like, all of their scenes probably are, like, the most hard-hitting, like, emotional scenes, like, I've felt from Shameless, like, in these groups of, like, that you don't really see that much. Because Sheila is literally, like, forgiving Karen in every single aspect and like all of the nice like reassuring words and everything like that and I'm like Sheila you're too good for the world you're too nice she really is so back at court the judge is questioning Carl and Debbie about that how they felt when Frank was gone for all of those months and uh, it looks like this writer watched a few episodes uh because Carl talks about camp and Debbie talks about Frank helping her at the pool And then Frank bullshits about going away to get sober so that his kids didn't have to see him like that. And Fiona's like, you're not really fucking buying this, are you? You're not buying this. They're talking about the the bender, like, from, they were like, he disappeared for, like, 
200 days like they're talking about at the beginning of season three when he's like gone yeah and fiona's like frank's like oh i went away to get sober and i didn't want my kids to see me like that and fiona's like bullshit that's bullshit he's saying bullshit to you they sort of like freaking breathalyzed him or something because like he was definitely still drunk and like Mm. here's the thing about frank's part in this he's obviously full of shit about getting clean but like one fundamental thing about the character of frank is that i believe on some level he does care about his kids like it's in there it's in him even though it's like majorly fucked up even if it's a a subsect of like his narcissism it's like he cares about his kids because he wants to have a legacy yep that's exactly what i was gonna say he's like not saying like he's proud of them but he wants to be like yeah i was able to spawn all of these other individuals who are just just as insane and have just as like as much of like a chaotic like achieving like fulfilled life that frank has quote unquote well yeah because he never talks about his kids like actual accomplishments like he's never like oh ian made cadet whatever in the rotc debbie's class president he's literally like oh yeah like lip is really good at scams and like ian dated a milk yeah, like, like <laughs> ian, well, yeah and then it's like debbie's like doing all this stuff like i don't yeah. debbie went to jail like, like she's got a she's got a felony under her belt or whatever like i don't know it's... like the fact that family means something to frank that legacy means something to frank is why storylines like this work and like why storylines yeah. like this are interesting to watch because frank is like a major league asshole but like at his core like that's what differentiates him from terry because like at his core he actually gives a shit about the, these kids like a little bit oh, yeah and I think bringing in his mom in season two is a really smart move because we get to see, like, who made him that way. Like, he never, ever got a good idea of what family's supposed to look yeah. like. And then he was doomed from the freaking start. He even has a line in court and he says, I don't know what I'd be if I wasn't a dad. Please don't take my kids from me. And I feel like that's one of the most truthful things we've ever heard from him. Yeah. So why he makes Mason's doing a great job in this episode. Um, and so is Emmy because we get this epic Fiona moment where she tells a story about the time that Ian, Lip, and Fiona were sleeping in a car and Frank left them on a curb by themselves and Ian got a fever and she, a six-year-old, ran the boys to the clinic. And she says... Yeah, Ian had a fever of like 104 and since he was so young, they were like, if he had still had it for a couple more hours, like he could have died. Yeah. yeah. And then at the very end, Fiona even goes like, even after that, Frank didn't return home for like three more days or something like that. And asked her how much money she had on her. That was the first thing she said. Yeah. Or she, he said, yeah, this, that's, I wish we would have been able to hear more stories like that about like just mm-hmm. things that happened to them in their and past. And then the pan to the kids of like Ian and Lip because they probably are so lo- young because they don't remember it. Yeah. And then the Ian's face, he's just like, uh, what? like he knows that it happened but he's like wait a six-year-old with thinking. a toddler under each arm one of them screaming because he has a hundred degree fever like running to to get to a clinic and she said Cause she was like i tried to get a ride i tried to use people's phones but like nobody would help me like i had to run on i had to make it on foot and she says i yeah. just want to be able to give these kids everything they deserve because they're great kids and they deserve better fuck emmy killed it in this episode absolutely killed it 
Mm-hmm. And then in the judge's chambers, he admits he sees like Frank is clearly a pathological liar. I see that. But that isn't enough to prove abuse. And the fact he is considering giving Fiona legal guardianship of the kids. And the judge is like, I'm only considering this because it means you have to commit to raising these kids for the rest of your life. Even if you change your mind, even if you decide you want your life back at some point. And now I know, I know, I know. Here's the thing. I know that later in the series, Fiona only leaves because Emmy, for very good and valid reasons, said, fuck this shit, I'm leaving the show. But this scene, knowing how Fiona's story ends, like, bugs the shit out of me. Him going, like, even if you decide you want your own life, even if you decide this isn't what you want anymore, this is you committing to them for the rest of your life. Could she not trans... Like, I I wish they would have wrapped that up better. I wish they would have been like, yeah... She trans because the rest of them are all eighteen. But Liam, I wish she could have been like, "Yep, I transferred legal guardianship to like you. Like I transferred the house to your name. Like it's like I wish you would have just been like, I'm done." Yeah, we needed that mm-hmm. acknowledgement. But yeah, but this yeah. is him saying, "This is you committing to raising these kids for the rest of your life." And she immediately agrees. Like, duh, she was she was always going to. And then we go back to the court. We're out of chambers. We're back in court. He asks if Frank would let Fiona be the guardian of the kids while Frank retains his parental rights. And Frank was like, she's the legal guardian, but and she does all the work and I don't have to do anything. And he's like, yeah. And Frank's like, bet, let's go. Woo, yeah. And Fiona stands up while the judge asks if Fiona would agree to be the guardian. And as she says yes, we see a close-up of Jimmy looking super pissed about it, like a little dick. Yep. <sighs> oh boy, yeah. this doesn't affect you. It's not your business. I mean, it does affect him, but it's it does, like, it's like but... you are choosing to stay in this relationship. Mm-hmm. I know you love her, but it's like, if you love her, you love all of her. But Fiona wins and all the kids celebrate and they're all hugging each other and while Frank like skulks out the back because no one wants anything to do with him. But Mandy on the down low goes to Lip and she's like, are we going to tell, are we going to tell Fiona about the house? And Lip's like, not right now or not. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not right now. Frank goes directly to the alibi without his kids, screaming, I got my kids back. And then when Kev asks where the kids are, he goes, fuck if I know. (laughs) It's like, dude, where do you think they are? Probably at their house. Like, The whole family, they go back to the house. They're filling the previously empty house from the beginning of the episode with noise and family and laughter and fun. And Jimmy's like, huh, guess we're not getting our own place anytime soon. And Fiona, assuming that was a joke, kisses his cheek and goes to celebrate mm-hmm. with her kids because like my god when did you ever think you and fiona were gonna move out on your own he got he, it took so much effort for him to get her out of the house for one night to go stay in a hotel in the city yep and he's like let's move in let's move in together like, liam is literally a toddler when did he think that was ever going Please. to happen and the credit song is The Fury by Middle Distance Runner. And then there's an after credit scene of Karen walking in on Jody, still handcuffed to the bed, blowing himself. <laughs> oh my god. What a man. Homeboy. <laughs> uh, next week on Shameless, Patrick, cousin Patrick shows up, is throwing the Gallaghers out of the house because he wrote in Ginger's will that he gets the house. So they consider killing him with rat poison. Karen and Lip hook up again because Lip loves making bad decisions. Frank moves in with a guy from AA and V's mom is getting a little bit too into having sex with Kev. Mm. Yeah. But that's the episode. Good one. I Brilliant. love this episode. It just, as we always say, like this is the juiciest part of season uh, three. And this is like such a big build up to the, the 
one this is an episode that gives a lot that like helps the end of season three and i'm very excited to finish up season three i really like this episode um yeah i think it's a good wrap-up of like what happened last episode and then it sets up really nicely for like the end of the season for sure i think the next episode is like kind of just in in between like setting up for the last episodes but it's it's good. This episode did a lot to like further the big storyline that they had going on and then pepper in the little shit. Like that one little scene with Ian and Mickey that's like, remember yeah. something terrible happened last week. We will address it more later, but like here's a little here's a little sprinkle. It's like it was such a good mix because this is a super dramatic episode, mm-hmm. but it was it had funny moments. It was funny. Like it was super it was in character. Like, I don't know. It was just like Yeah. And then the I return of Karen is a whole thing. I miss it yeah that was like the biggest bomb drop that's crazy that storyline like what uh, what ends up happening with that yeah mic drop for sure so i yeah i really liked it like like i said last (laughs) week was rough this week was a little easier to digest but it it, so many moments of emmy that i'm like why how do you not have seven thousand awards and it's because this it's because this show wasn't built for it that's why but she's got a beautiful little baby girl now so i'm so happy for her uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, if anybody is interested, we do still have stickers available. Um, that yes. you can, Evan just sent me yes, Alina, so- a bunch of them and now they're all over. Oh my God. I put them on everything. <laughs> I have one on my phone, on my laptop, on my sketchbook. Yes. So go ahead and just yeah. message the Instagram and then um, we're selling them for about $5. I've been throwing a couple extra goodies to people who have purchased them so far. Um, but yeah, just go ahead and send us a DM and then we can definitely work out how we can get it to you guys and we got three different sizes you so can, you got so much to pick from yeah you can send us that dm on luck we had pod on instagram luck we had pod on twitter you can email us luck we had pod at gmail.com you can follow me at abnormal amanda on twitter at abnormal amanda 18 on instagram at abnormal amanda underscore 18 on tiktok where can they find you guys you guys can find me on instagram and tiktok at i want to die 4000 and then you can go ahead and find me on twitter at internet life yo and lena where can they find you you can find me on instagram at kojak with two k's and you can find me on twitter at durs uh but the l is an i <laughs> workaholics twitter lately been going crazy guys i'm gonna be honest i feel like the ringleader of a little circus um and it's really fun so you should definitely come follow me over there i I tweet lots of memorial day tweet was very good oh my god i got like 50 (laughs) likes and a bunch of retweets and i was like i was like no guys they're gonna see this i don't want no 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 (laughs) but thank you guys all for listening thank you for coming on the wild ride that is season three with us we're so fucking excited to get to the rest of it like we said, we're every two weeks now. Mm-hmm. We're we're working around three yes. insane work Doing schedules, we but we're getting this shit done. Yeah, baby. We're happy to be here, even if we all sound very exhausted. Uh, <laughs> but, but thank you all for listening. Thank you all for being here. And we will talk to you next time. Goodbye. I'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye-bye.